You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what's up, World Wide Webs? It's Brandon. And it's Adam. What's up, Adam? Hey, man. Cheers, man. Yeah. Wait, did, let's, <laughs> let's hear this cheers sound. Yeah, I no, want you to hear this cheers yeah, this sound. This is great. Oh, yeah. You know what that is, folks? We are cheersing plastic bottles of bourbon. We have hit the bottom of the barrel. Bottom. What are you yeah, drinking? Rock. Oh, I've got a... Actually, it's a benchmark... Uh, number eight brand Kentucky Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's like it's, a, a little pocket rocket. Yeah, and I've got a yeah. very old Barton. So Good. let's let's get a nice yeah, sip. Here we in. go. Mm. Mm. Oh yeah, that's actually that's actually amazing. You know, it's amazing drinking it out of a bottle where you don't smell it while you're Ooh. drinking it. Like it just. Well, that's how you do. Yeah, it. yeah you can't. You don't have to really worry about. So we are excited to be mm. here. This is our first show after the two year anniversary. Wow. Much, much That's different. Uh, I was sitting in a barrel house last week um, drinking really nice bourbon, Eagle Rare, and here we are, and we're in Studio B drinking out of a plastic bottle. I mean, <laughs> Studio B is nice. <laughs> yeah, but... it's nice. Mm. Well, and I'm so excited, Adam, you're on the show. Uh, I know you did an yeah. audio show uh, with with Frank a couple weeks back. Um, we got a lot of stuff to yeah. talk to, but this episode, I don't know that you know, this is going to be a surprise to I you. I know, I can't wait. We have a surprise guest. Frank, the producer, has pulled out all the stops, and we have Carol Kravitz on the phone. We're going to dial her up on the magic phone machine. She uh, she boosts some pretty awesome credits. Um, she was a, pr- a production coordinator for Breaking Bad. Oh, she worked sweet. on Always Sunny. She worked on Party of Five. I mean, this is crazy. So we get the privilege to talk to her. So let's dial her up here. Let me, uh, Bart, let's get the machine going in there. Are you there? Hello. Hey, what's up? I didn't Hello. know. I didn't know if the phone would work. Sometimes the phone here is it's dated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it works fine. So, Hello, Brandon. Hello, Adam. Hello. Awesome. So, so Carol, um, let's just jump right into it. Uh, how did we find you? How did Frank connect the dots? How do how do we, how do we have the privilege? You you've got some crazy credits. Um, let's well, just start I, there. What's your name? What do you do? Well, I'm Carol Kravitz. I live in West Hollywood, California, and I've been working in the film industry for a really long time. And uh, I uh, I I started at, in in theater, of course, and moved into film when I moved to Los Angeles and San Francisco. Um, but I, you know, it was kind of a slow. Move. I moved from features actually into movies of the week and and uh, uh, what are mini series. We don't do those anymore, I guess. <laughs> call them differently. Yeah, it's and called net- Netflix, into, right? Right, and then <laughs> I moved into uh, series television. So it was kind of I went backwards. I could never get back into features. That was an interesting. I can kind of talk about that a little later, but um, that was an interesting transition. Okay, so television. so you you have a lot of credits with, you know, production coordinator. What Did you start out, did you just jump right into that role? Did you PA? How did you, what's your, what was your, like, first uh, benchmark foot in the door? Uh, well, my, the as a production coordinator, I, I worked six years at, in the corporate setting when I was first getting my foot in the door here in L.A. Okay. And I come from the world of being a uh, 
a secretary and an office manager in the, the corporate setting. Like I worked at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and uh, and other just regular jobs. So I had those skills going into this, and uh, and came from. When I moved to L.A., I was actually still in theater, and I was running a theater. I went, in six months, I was a supervising pr- producer of a 399-seat equity house. So uh, I had those skills. So when I went into film, uh, it was kind of a natural progression. I really did not, it, and kind of in a bad way. I didn't never had to PA. <laughs> I kind of wish I had to do that. Sure. But... Yeah, I didn't really have to do that. I kind of worked as a production secretary and then moved up into, really didn't even have to do that very long and just moved into production coordinating. Gotcha. So so you made kind of a a lateral move, so to speak. Oh, nothing lateral about it. (laughs) Production coordinating, yeah. Production coordinating is, while the skills are helpful, because I know how to type and I know how to organize things, having to organize an entire production is daunting. Yeah. I mean, if you if you don't have that organized, I literally organize in my daily life. People will look at me and they'll see me, no, this has to go there and that has to go there. It's just the way my brain works. So if you have to put one foot in front of the other you can't be you can think a million things at the same time but you really can only do one thing at a time gotcha. and not let anything fall through the cracks and there's just a ton more things than just being a secretary or an office manager sure. so so once once yeah, you got your lateral. once you got your foot in the door and you were you mm-hmm. you kind of shook off the cobwebs and and whatnot uh-huh. what was the first show or production that you you landed that was like oh whoa I'm, I'm in the big leagues now like what was your your first gig that that you were like wow here we go I got I got a job with American International Picture, Pictures if you guys remember Sam Arkoff it had a big library, okay. uh, horror films mostly. Uh, but it was transitioning, and I, I came in as a, as a secretary, basically, to this office, this pro- corporate production office, and I was working for a VP uh, who was a production manager, executive producer on Rocky and blah, blah, blah. The first show that comes into our office that I get there is Four Friends. We, uh, Arthur Penn directed it, and it had some young actors that we would know. I, I probably couldn't come up with their names right now. But I was so, I was shocked. I was coming from this small little 399-seat equity house, had no money, I had made no money, and I come in and they're making a two million dollar film and i thought oh my god two million dollars i got it you know i so i had to wrap my head around that two million dollars obviously now that's ridiculous but uh that was that was an amazing moment for me to realize that this is big money that we're talking about (laughs) so and that was 1980 i think so yeah uh yeah so then, so, from there, at that point, you 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 kind of at at that point you you've dealt with the big money. You're you're kind of ramping into the you know real projects, big projects. Uh, right. What next? Where do you go from there? What's your next big jump? You got some killer uh, experience on your on your resume. At what point do you do people start you know 
you start making relationships or talk a little bit about that side of it because I think our listeners you got a lot of ambitious listeners, young filmmakers. You got people who are working hard day to day. They're in that you know corporate uh, corporate video realm right now. They're dreaming mm-hmm. of Hollywood. What did it take to get into where you know to get to that place where you know people start to know who you are and people start to trust who you are? Talk a little bit about that process. It's a it's a slow process. I mean, it, it takes time, of course, to build relationships in town. You never really know. They're, they're ne- they never stay the same at the at the studios. So people are always changing. So you have to stay on top of it. The uh, of course, when I started, we had Variety and Hollywood Reporter as dailies and in ra- and physical rags. So you'd have to pick them up. And on Thursdays was the Variety production list, and on Fridays was the Hollywood Reporter production list. They're pretty much the same. You had to go through them, and you had to call out what you wanted to do and start making cold calls. Period. You got to send out resumes. You got to make call calls. You got to help your elevator speech ready to try and pre- convince people that you're the gal that they should have in their office or put on their film. So it takes time, and every hiatus. I was never out of work. I was always on hiatus. Um, <laughs> I would get the rags and start sending when, of course, we didn't have computers, we didn't have fax machines. I was at the corner copy store, you know, with my stack and sending everything out. Um, Things became a lot easier, obviously. But I wanted to go back one little step and tell you that um, as we moved from AIP to Filmways to Embassy Pictures before I moved out on my own, wanting to know how a single unit moved, because I thought that was be really important. Um, I got an opportunity uh, when Rob Reiner was making Spinal Tap uh, to, because I started life as a dancer, so I had always throughout my career I would look for opportunities to get out of the seat and get into the, get out to the set and kind of do my thing. And Rob gave me the opportunity to choreograph uh, two of the scenes from from Spinal Tap, and at the end, (laughs) he actually gave me a credit for it uh, on screen, which was quite nice of him, I thought. So I just wanted to point that out. I'm, but, uh, I'm that, suddenly yeah. I'm I'm now I'm starstruck. I, I have, <laughs> oh. I'm gonna. I I don't even know what to say that 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 <laughs> that we're speaking with someone who had direct contact with the movie that has been quoted every single day now working in a studio <laughs> that right right <laughs> so good I thought, you, so I thought good. you would appreciate I thought you would appreciate that well you know but it's, yeah one of the things too I think you know that type of humor uh you know lends me to to also kind of point out I think a show that the whole world there's a certain edge to it that if you say it you're 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 golden for life, and that is always sunny in Philadelphia. And so, you know, you've got a lot of work. We'll get to we'll we'll jump back and forth on a lot of it, but I want to just let's sure. take a, let's take a lightning step ahead here. All of a sudden, you find yourself working on Always Sunny. I mean, this has become right? this has become a cult mm-hmm. phenomenon. Yeah. What was that like? Yes. Yeah, this was uh, either season two or season three, and uh, we were still. Uh, in this kind of weird location 
they had to finally tear it down, I think, and, and move. And the boys were had you know they write all their they write all the shows ahead of time. And I don't know if they still do that, but at the time they were writing. They wrote all ten shows ahead of shooting, so that they could get in and act in them. Right. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. So they um uh it it was pretty amazing. And then they hated coming. They all lived on the west side, and they had to schlep downtown and. That was kind of a drag, but um, it was a very interesting. It was the first season that Danny DeVito was in it, right? So that <laughs> so what, was a trip. What was that like, with Danny? Do you, do you have any stories from like? Do you have any memorable episodes or stories or that you guys were trying to prepare for? And there has to be. I, I feel like with that show, there's moments as a coordinator, you're like, you want you say things like, "So you want me to purchase what?" You know, like <laughs> you you need me to ask permission to do what? You know, it's like yeah. there's so many things there. Like, okay, so we need a a beach that looks like a dumpster <laughs> and hypodermic needles. Okay, uh, yeah, we right, can do that. Right. Yeah, we didn't have any crazy moments. It was pretty much all uh, in the bar at, at that time, uh, and. You know, as a coordinator, I don't get that um, that physical contact daily with the cast and the and the shooting crew, and and that was always a bone of contention for me because uh, people would kind of separate the the production crew in the office, the production office crew, from the set crew. And even if, when I was on location, which I did a lot of location work, it was always that separation. So for me, uh, and I'm sure PAs got a little bit more involved because they were doing more runs to the set and they're more, more out there and in front of people. But, I, you know, I, I had to spend a lot of time at my desk. Let's right. face it. There are a lot of details that go into it with the contracts and the travel and the yeah. And then when Danny came on, there were a lot of additional things with his trailer and his people and his and it, what he needed. So um, uh, I don't have a lot of stories from Sunny because it was very straightforward for for us that season. Yeah. Um, uh, and the guys were great. Um, the uh, they were they were always fun to be around and and we had a uh, we just had a I had a lovely season. That's uh, awesome. Tommy Lafaro and I had known each other. He's the one of the producers. I think he's the main producer. He has been for years. Um, and uh, so he brought me on for the season, but uh, he and I didn't get along very well. So <laughs> that. So, but, yeah, so let's let's just okay. let I want to take a second and and let's pull out some maybe some learning opportunities. Again, we've got, you know, this podcast sure. is we've got new listeners, we've got experienced listeners, we've got pros, we've got different uh, a range of people, but I always like to look sure. for a good takeaway. So so for you, um, you know, in your early experience then moving in towards working on, you know, what what are now iconic shows, What's sort of the, the, looking back, what's sort of the thing, the big one? What's the big thing that you would want to tell people and say, hey, if there's one thing that, that taught me the most or I learned the most, it's you need to do this or you need to consider this. Like, What's, what's your big takeaway? Wow. Uh, wow, Brandon, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough one. Okay, so <laughs> it is because there's so many little parts to that. Um, because... You know, setting up an office, and I'm just rewriting my manual for my film, 
my production office master class that I give. Um, when you're setting up an office, it's really important that everybody knows what they need to do, when they need to do it, so that when you start and you're prepping, you're teaching everybody what they're supposed to do and when they're supposed to do it. And when so when you start to shoot, everybody is kind of in that shoot mode. You get into the the, the rhythm of things. Right. So uh, it's important that we don't go back and redo stuff a lot. You want to do it right the first time. Have a couple, couple different pairs of eyes on it so that you're not out there all alone. Um, I'm the gal who takes the responsibility for everything, so I ask people to, you know, be nice to everybody and to, although people said I wasn't very nice to them, uh, but, <laughs> I, you know, I, I've... I towed the li- I think people had to tow the line, and I, I was pretty hard on people when it came to uh, making sure that things got done right. But not a, not a lot of things fell through the cracks on my shows either. Right. Because, uh, because people knew that they needed to do it right and do it right the first time. So check it, double check it, triple check it. Um, don't get too laid back because the shoe is going to drop. And you're going to have to be prepared to jump into action. So uh, making sure that you're, you're always on top of things. You can't kind of just flake out. Um, it's not just one thing. There's, there's never just one thing in production that has to be the thing that you have to be aware of. Yeah. There's so many things that are going on every minute that you just have to stay on top of it. Yeah. So uh, it's, it sounds to yeah. me like, you know, if I had to, 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 I think there is a takeaway. The, the one thing there is, you know, you got to be prepared to be versatile and take action mm-hmm. and be accountable. And so yeah, if, you're gonna, yeah, if, you're gonna be, for, if you're going to be, if you're going to get into that side of production, production coordinator, if you're on the, the, the office side of things, you need to you need to have your act together. If you're not a person who who can show up on time, if you like to sleep in, if you're not punctual, if you don't uh, yeah. if you have a hard time confronting others, um, this yeah. might not be the, the the office for you. You need to be there and be you got to be the steady hand. It's it's what I'm hearing. Right. Yeah, promptness is so important. Vince Lombardi, if you're er, if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, don't bother showing up. Yeah. So it's so important uh, to be on top of things and be prompt and not uh, never ask to go home. Never yeah. ask when you can go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's uh, the reason I laugh there is because it has to be said. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I never, ever, exactly. ever would. So I had a young man, but, I was doing a pilot. Uh, uh, with uh, Frank uh, DuPont? What's his name? Frank DuPont? No, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, jeez, I can't remember. Frank anyway, D. Uh, Frank D. Frank D. Frank D., that guy. And uh, the, a PA, an old friend of mine called and said, Carol, can you help this guy out? He's coming and he wants to be in the sh- in show business. I said, oh, give him a PA job. Okay. So he comes in and he he starts asking me to go leave early. Okay, mm-hmm. so the first time I say, okay, yeah, we're in prep. Go ahead. We're getting closer to shooting, and he comes to me. He says, a Friday, I need to leave early. I said, well, we're starting to shoot. You can't leave early. 
He says, well, I have a birthday party and I'm going to go. And I said, well, don't come in don't, on Monday. Don't bother don't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> don't come back. Yeah. yeah. So things like that. I mean, you, you just have to be flexible. You have to be aware that things are going to change by the minute. And whatever you're working on that you're going to leave to work on this very important thing that is now taking priority, you have to be able to go back to that and finish it. A to Z. What I say in my seminars, you've got to do things A to Z. And that is not only just the tasks, it's in your mentality, too, and getting the job done completely. You don't leave off at X and then something isn't done. You've got to finish it and finish it right. So yeah, no, that's, that's very important. That's great, and and you know, I just want to share with some people some of the stuff that you you've worked on and, and that you've been that steady hand. We got some classics here, uh, like the 1987 Benji the Hunted. Ooh, that yeah. was a classic. Uh, oh. Then we have you uh, working with a early Gary Busey film B- Bulletproof in 1988. Yes. <gasps> uh, wait, 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 wait. What? Oh, what? Let me tell what you a about story. Bulletproof? This. I mean, it's Gary oh, Busey. I have two stories about that. Okay, so the first is that they had me go to the bank to pick to get money to pay to hit. They were going hand to mouth on this picture, and we. We had the production office was actually on the set for this show in a trailer. They sent me, and they sent me to get $10,000 in cash. Okay. And uh-huh. walk out of the bank with $10,000 in cash. I thought I was going to plot. <laughs> Wait, is it you solo? Or did you have you have folks with you? I had it... nothing. Oh, I had nothing. nice. They just sent me to the bank, get money. That's all they knew. <laughs> And the second story is leaving the trailer to go to lunch, and Busey's trailer was shaking and shaking and shaking, and he was in there shipping something. (laughs) Good old Gary. Well, good old Gary. You had some. Oh, he was such a pain in the ass. Oh, he's. (laughs) I have a I have a great story I've shared on past episode where I I chatted with him on the phone. We were trying to get him to come on the uh, the podcast and. It, it just got really bizarre really fast. Uh, it, was a, mm-hmm. it was an interesting conversation. But just call his if, house. If we jump up to the '90s, you you worked on Minute Work. We got. Uh, I did. Yeah, we got yeah. Charlie Sheen and uh, Emilio. Who's Charlie uh, yeah. and Emilio? He's a big. Oh, they used to play tricks on each other every yeah. other day. It was hysterical. Um, that was funny. We've got you. Yeah. Uh, we got you doing uh, Deadly Desire. Which was sometime in '91, like a little scantily clad, uh, you know, sort of drama. Yes. Looks like a sex, Deadly a sex desire. cop drama. Uh, Deadly Desire. This is, this is, oh yes, this that was this? with. Uh, oh, who was that uh, with? Deadly Desire. That was Jack, with, Sc- wait a minute. Jack Scalia and Catherine and Catherine Harold, oh. William Patton, yes. Joe Santos. Uh, yeah, Jack. great stuff. That was a really nice. This Jack is really wanted to take me. There. Yeah, he, he wanted to bring me back to LA and be his assistant. Yeah, <laughs> he wanted me as his assistant. In '91, you uh, you make an appearance yeah. on Eyes of an Angel with uh, Travolta. Ooh. I don't know if that was pre or post Scientology, but he was uh, uh, doing his thing. Ninety ninety one. Yeah, ninety one. No, that wasn't me. Uh, you uh, you hopped on the Red Shoe Diaries. Oh like. yes, um, yes. 
Then I did. That was very fun. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, that pl- one I met. Uh, um, um, oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I'm coming up with the name any minute. He, David Duchovny? Narrator. David Duchovny was the narrator. Yeah. And he had just had his interview for X-Files, uh, uh, X-Files and he Ooh. comes back and it, he says he had this interview and I said, oh, I'm such a big sci-fi film, uh, fan and this is going to be great. I'm your number one fan. And then it went off to be this yeah, big be, thing. Yeah, so, big. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, in 98, you hop on Party, yeah. party of Five. And Party of Five. That was my first series, yes. Yeah. Were, how, many, how, many episodes, or, uh, how many seasons were you on for I that? Four years. Wow. Four so, seasons. Whoa. Were you there when Charlie died, yeah. when Charlie got cancer? Wait, what? No, I think that happened after. Charlie got Hodgkin's disease, yeah. man. Come on. Like on oh, the show? I, yeah. Wait a minute. On the maybe show. He did get, say, no, no, no. He did get it. He did get it. On uh, the show. I think in season four, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that a lot of people don't. I mean, some people remember, but that had a, a monster cast. We had Matthew Fox, oh, Scott yeah. Wolf, Nev yeah. Campbell, yeah. Lacey yeah. Shabert. Uh, I mean, it was Shabert. Uh, Lacey yeah. yeah. Jennifer uh, Love Hewitt. I mean, this is big time stuff. Jenny? Jeremy yeah. London. Love. Jeremy London. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big time. And Je- Jen Jennifer Garner. Yeah. What? Really? Yeah, she got on yep. there. Get down. Um, yep. And then we did a uh, we did a pilot. With her, with Jennifer, uh, called uh, Significant Others, uh, right in between two seasons, and uh, that didn't go anywhere. So it it looks Uh, like you you also helped launch episode one of Malcolm in the Middle. The pilot, yes. I did the pilot for Malcolm in the Middle. That's where I met Brian. So you, you, you meet Brian... Who we all know mm-hmm. as the lead from Breaking Bad, right? And from there, is that how you got connected? Because you obviously no. worked on the series. I didn't work on the Malcolm series. No, on the uh, on Breaking Bad. Oh, on Breaking Bad. No, I got on Breaking Bad because I knew the uh, UPN producer, the producer okay. uh, Stuart Lyons. Stuart Lyons. All right. Well, we're going to. Co- we're going to come back to Breaking Bad. I definitely want to dig into okay. that. But you okay. you got on to, um, it looks like, Knight Rider. Was there a comeback of Knight Rider in 2008? It looks that like... Was, <laughs> uh, that was, yes, that was, they were trying to make a, a, re- a, uh, reboot. a, re- a reboot of it. Yeah. Uh, nice young man was playing the, the role, the lead role, Justin, whatever. And, uh, uh, it was right at the writer's strike yeah. at that time. And so we, the writers had finished writing it, so we were able to shoot it. And I was just coming off another show. We stayed in the same office, and we had to you know, switch everything. The interesting thing about that was we switched from Sony Pictures, which is the easiest studio in the entire city to work with, to NBC at the time, not universal. Gotcha. And they have their little red book that they have all their vendors in that you have to use. Ah, and gotcha. it was like, I had to literally beg them to not send furniture back 
to use their vendor because that would have been really stupid. Yeah. You know, they have they make people pay to be in their red book, which I wow. think is Wow. What? Yeah. Fancy. Not cool. Yeah. So I don't know if they still do, but they did. So we yeah, we we cool. we jump over to Scoundrels in 2012, which you uh you hopped on for a couple episodes and then ultimately 39 episodes, it appears, on IMDb on Breaking Bad, arguably one of the greatest shows of all time. i gotta, I got to stop it right here. What I find amazing with this is that all of this from the choreographer of Spinal Tap. Imagine That's right. what you can get yeah. here. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Adam. So, <laughs> so how many, what season did you hop on the show? Were you on the first season, or did you hop in the second season? No, I was uh, it was the second season. The first season, Stu asked me to join them, and I had already committed to Viva Laughlin uh, for Sony, and uh, we were uh, going to be so. Oh my God! I was just getting into with Viva. I, I was ju- we would had all these song and dance, and it was Hugh Jackson, Jackman, and and uh, he was the executive producer, and he he made appearances, and it, he was he's amazing. He's an amazing guy. And uh, they, we were about to shoot episode nine. They had aired episode one or episode one and two, and they canned us. Gotcha. And the, uh, the CBS couldn't figure out what they wanted, and they totally blew it. This is with a takeoff on uh, Viva Blackwell from England, and it was kind of this... It's like Laughlin, Nevada, you know, kind of a second-class yeah. gambling place, but very dark. And at first it was like, oh, no, we don't want any sparkly Vegas stuff. And then all of a sudden they went, oh, we want sparkly Vegas stuff. They couldn't figure out what they wanted, so it just kind of went to hell. So I gotcha. didn't do the first season. He invited me again for the second season, which was I was very lucky to get that. And it changed. So, I mean, it was like, okay, I can be done now. I'm This is... I'm in heaven. Yeah, it's absolutely fabulous. So, yeah. so with that, I mean, early on, you know, season two, did did people at that point people didn't really know that? Oh wow, we're on, we're a part of something really special. I mean, it was still, you know, it was still breaking through. It was still trending. People were still discovering it. You know, right? What was the was, what was the what was the atmosphere like in the in the production office? Were people like, guys, we're on a gold mine here, or was it like, hey, we yeah. gotta we gotta grind? Yeah. No, we we were grinding. We definitely had a grind. It was, it, uh, every week was a big show, uh, and we never knew if we were going to make it in eight days. Do we have to beg for a ninth day? Uh, would we have to come back and you know just reshoot it at the end, you know later, whatever? Yeah. It was it was a huge show. Vince uh, and the and the team wrote like crazy. So and. It was always a lot of stuff that had to go into it. So our concept meetings were always interesting. And um, throughout the, the week that directors were getting up to speed and scripts were late. And um, it, it, was, it was a grind, definitely. Yeah, I can we imagine. Did not we, did, yeah, we, did, we knew it was good. We knew it was, uh, it was a fun place to work. It was probably the best show I have ever worked on in terms of people and the daily life of a, of a production. Um, but no, I, I got my crew jacket for season three and walked around with it for uh, 
two years and nobody <laughs> knew. At the end of season four, when it started coming out on Netflix, and I would have a T-shirt on or my jacket or a hat or, and it, oh, Breaking Bad, oh. And then they knew, they, they, I said I worked on the show, and they, oh, my God, I'm like, <laughs> you know. It was, yeah, it was pretty cool. I went to P-Town, and I'm walking past the T-shirt store, and I see a Heisenberg T-shirt, and I went, oh, my God, i got to get the Heisenberg T-shirt. So <laughs> I went in and yeah. got it. He was he was so thrilled to make this T-shirt for me. You would not have believed it. So. Did, um, did you guys, like, were you, like, I would imagine in, in the production office, like, are there receipts for, like, uh, large amounts of uh, cornstarch or whatever you use to make the blue yeah. meth? Like, oh, yeah. I would assume oh, yeah. there were just vats of it, right? Uh, they had quite a bit of it, yeah, because they, <laughs> ha- I mean, especially when they were doing the big cook, uh, they had to have a lot of it. Yeah. Um, what about, what and, had to yeah, be? Yeah, that what? was fun. It was always at a party. Everybody would spread it out at a party. It was all <laughs> rock candy. It was rock candy, so... Um, what and they would, show it like, yeah. Go ahead. What would it, what what did it take to pull off the stuff with the chicken? All the scenes with the chicken joint, where you had that whole operation, and um, you know, you had the restaurant. I mean, was that a was that a was that Work. restaurant built from the ground up, or was that like did they take over an no. existing restaurant? Practical. It's a practical. Yeah. And now they're using it again in Better Call Saul. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, Gus Spring just made an appearance last uh, last week or the week before, and. Yeah, the the restaurant is back. So, so that must, it's a practical location. So that must have been backstory, right? Because he dies. Gus, right? Well, Better Call Saul is a prequel to okay, Breaking Bad. Okay, that's right. Yeah. 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 Well, that's... And do it... It's good. Now, now what... On that spe- show specific, okay? So, again, listeners are, you know, everyone listening to this show knows Breaking Bad. Most of them hold it in high regard, Thinking back on that experience alone, so your career culminates. You're you're at you're on a show that has become a blockbuster. Um, what was it there that you realized all the prior years had helped you to understand even better? What was that that moment when you're there and you're sitting on top of the throne of a great career uh, that you realize you know what I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Benji the Hunted. You know, like those, what were, what were those, what were those little learning moments that at that point in time you realized, wow, these are all things I've learned along the way. And if you don't start with, it started when I <laughs> danced at the, <laughs> when I, yeah, when I did the choreography for Final Death, you know, every, every show I learned something because I was not trained in the traditional way. I didn't come up through the PA system. I didn't come up through the DGA uh, training program. I didn't go to college to be, be, be in film. Um, I had to learn every step of the way about equipment and, and everything uh, that came to my desk. I had to learn how to do it. So every project, I took something away from it and it took me to the next project. So with Breaking Bad, I really felt that I... I knew, I always felt that I knew how to do this job and probably do it a little bit, everybody does it a little bit differently anyway, so Mm -hmm. it's not like there's a formula to do it. You take what you want to do and you give the rest away, right? Because I can. Uh, But I just felt that I knew how to 
make the production office the 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 most productive, uh, the the most uh, inclusive. Really, when someone steps in the office and needs something done, I have a smile on my face and I want to get this solved. Yeah. So that's the attitude has to be right. You have to come to work every day with a smile on your face and a and a and warmth in your heart because the job is hard and it's long hours and it takes a lot out of you but it it's it's this collaborative it's so collaborative and even uh it, it, you just have to be present for the whole thing so i like asking me the question at the beginning you know what's the one thing you would tell people there's so much on a show how can it just be one thing <laughs> but just being uh being present and being positive and knowing I've heard, I've had a lot, especially when I left the show, um, people would call me, oh my God, Carol, you know, la, 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 la. They, you know, they're not doing this like you and they're not doing that like you. And I said, oh, please don't bring up my name. That would not be good. <laughs> uh, but, but the point is that if something comes to a coordinator's desk, you can't just... Sh- you know, brush your shoulder and say, not my job. If it's coming to your desk, it's your job. Yeah. So I've heard so many coordinators coming up that are younger, that are not accepting the role of the production coordinator, which is to facilitate every part of the production to help move it forward, to get it done. It doesn't matter if it's in a job description. Did it land on your desk? Then it's <laughs> yours. <laughs> yeah. You have to get it done. Or you have to find somewhere, be resourceful, and find the right person to get it done. Yeah, that's great, great feedback. And uh, I'll tell you what, it must feel good to know, um, you know, looking back on those projects and when you have you know millions of people who have enjoyed these different series and movies and whatever, um, how does that make you feel at the end of the day when you when you think you know wow I I had a part to play in that you know yeah it makes me feel really good and especially with some of the projects that you brought up today um, you do feel really good that that you were able to contribute that. And, and I'm a person that likes to give back, so that's what I'm doing now with my seminars, is trying to bring the next generation of filmmakers into, uh, bring them some knowledge and how to do the job correctly. So, so talk a little bit, talk a little bit, a little bit about that. How do you, how do you run that? Is that something our listeners can sign up for? Does it only happen out west? Talk a little bit about that. Well, this is the film industry training seminars. We are. Uh, we have about seven below the line uh, seminars available to be uh, brought into your community, one at a time, hopefully. And um, uh, it's uh, run by Kenny Chaplin, I think, who is how Frank got to me, which is was your first question of yeah. the day. I didn't get to answer. I think he and Kenny have a, a working relationship, and. Um, uh, we we hire out basically. We went to the location expo. I know you just had a guest on your show last week that that was there. That was Joe. Was that Joe? I didn't catch the name at the beginning. Who was it? 
last week. Anyway. Frank and Adam. I think we're on the show uh, last week. Oh. You had somebody from the Kentucky Film... Oh, yeah, Jay. Jay. That was Jay. Jay, Jay. Yeah, we met Jay. And we went around and we made sure everybody knew who we were and, and, uh, uh, you know, we're trying to get our seminars around the country. We're not just West Coast. Kenny's up in Saskatchewan, Canada, and we're kind of all... We have somebody in South Carolina and Idaho, so we're all over the place. We are are seminars will travel, and... uh, Mine is uh, the, the production coordinator, a film a production office master class, and I, I do did Stage 32. I did a four-week webinar for them, and uh, I've done a couple of seminars and a guest speaker. And so I'll, I'll do any portion or all of it that uh, people want to hear. That's great. Uh, now, how, how, do people, yeah. how do people find this stuff? Do you have a, a website, or what's the best place for people to connect? Yeah, filmindustrytrainingseminars.org, I think. Let me okay. just double check that, I think. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's really easy, .com, filmindustrytrainingseminars.com, and uh, really easy to, to look around and check out, the, check out the seminars, and you can contact us through that. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. It's, I'll tell you, the thing I really like about your story is, you know, if, if you're out there listening right now and you have a passion for film, maybe you've been to formal school, maybe you haven't, maybe you're just trying to get your foot in the door. Uh, today, you've heard a story of someone who who made it from the ground up and worked hard and made connections and learned the ropes without any formal schooling or film school or any of those sort of things. And, you know, uh, she ends up on Breaking Bad. So, This is a thing that can happen, um, but, you know, the big takeaway today is um, be fully present. So don't be on your phone texting. Uh, Mm -hmm. Be ready to go when the time comes. And, you know, if you are sought at after as somebody who's reliable, there's a good chance that people are going to want you around. Um, And I think those are some great takeaways, some great lessons from uh, today. And if you want to know more, uh, visit the training site um, and you know, sign up or find out where the nearest uh, seminar is going to be, or if there's any that are online, and um, just throw yourself into it. But this is this is great, great, great stuff. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful. And even if choreography is not your thing in yeah. school, make sure because <laughs> yeah. you never know when you're going to get <laughs> yeah. the opportunity. Yeah, you so, never know, Adam. I, Adam, I, you're stuck on that. I can't, I, let it, I, I can't let it go. You'll never know what tricks you'll need to have up That's your sleeve. Right. Well, thanks so much. We really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, and sharing you. your, your stories and your knowledge. And we wish you the best with uh, with your projects. Thank you so much. And uh, a toast to, um, to the Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon podcast. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Thank Cheers. You. We'll talk soon. <laughs> okay. Cheers. Bye, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. That was great. What a show. That is amazing. That was, that was good stuff. I, I just can't get over Benji the Hunter. I know. <laughs> like, there's so many great, amazing. Oh, oh man. Geez. That's good stuff. But it boils down to the fact that it's just responsibility. Answer yeah. the phone, show up on time. Yeah. You know, it's, like, like any industry, you know, there's just a lot of work that just grunt work and just yeah. pushing the buttons and the paper and the people and getting things done. Yeah. It's a it's yeah. a very 
You know, I think it's interesting in our industry, it's a small percentage who work in the entertainment industry. It's an even smaller percentage who is like on the front lines, like director, actors, engineers. And there's a lot of people that are just behind the behind the line and behind the scenes really bringing it and bringing it to life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's I mean, it's. And, and and there's plenty of roles. There's plenty of ways to get up to that too. Yeah. You know, I mean to I mean not go. It's interesting though to hear somebody not take the traditional route. Right. You know to not go PA forever. Yeah, yeah. And I mean then that's you know the greatest way to get FaceTime, greatest way to get right. in front of people. Um, you know. You and, came up through the system, right? You were you went to school. Yeah. You I studied. Went, engineering yeah. I went, yeah. I went right? to school and then intern and to assistant engineer. You then, were like a hip hop engineer for a while, weren't you? Yeah. I was. Dude, there was a time. <laughs> there was a time just for me to float my boat. I was I was working a job in the day and then in the studio at night, literally getting off work at five, <laughs> going to a studio like six or seven to replace tweeters. Yeah. Because they got blown every night, um, every night With after the, the session. Yeah. Yeah. And then, at, you know, so replace tweeters, replace all the speakers. Session would start maybe between 10 and 2 a.m., work until about 4 a.m., go home. Actually, not even home. I would drive back to my job, <laughs> sleep in the parking lot, make, you know, make the live, you know, yeah. make, make the money I need to make or make you know, get health insurance and then go back and do the same thing. And, and like, it's not sustainable, but it's worth it. <laughs> Because you're not going to get the like the opportunity was there. Sure, I can't say no to it, and you have to right. make it work. And 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 it ended up having enough of those during that time that one of them was big enough that I said, "See ya, I'm yeah. on my own, and and I'll make the jump." Yeah. So and then and then that was five years of twelve hour days, six sure. days a week of making music. And here so, you are on the podcast. Yeah, now now I've made it to <laughs> You've FDB. Made it. He's so, made it to drinking bourbon that's right, out, out of a plastic, plastic bottle, which is not too far from your hip hop day. No, actually, well, <laughs> uh, actually, back in hip hop, there it was. It was. It, it was almost <laughs> nightly. A case of stemware was delivered, and cases of Cristal or Dom yes. or something showed up, and it was like, at somebody was having their big night yeah, each night, that's right. and and um, yeah, it was a different person having their big night every <laughs> night. So, I'm. I was I was young too. That's at the how time, you, but yeah, that's how it, it was, goes down. Yeah, it yeah was, I came up in audio, uh, yeah. but then I made the jump uh, to film, which was crazy. Untrained, didn't really know how to edit. Learned iMovie on my own. Basically, did a really bad long documentary, my first child's birth, that no one will ever watch again, and uh, and kind of worked my way up from that. So, but but either way, you know, the point yeah. I'm trying to make is that you know. All of those stories are, are one, they're stories of resilience, putting in the work, making the connections, and when somebody asks or when somebody's in need, you deliver. Yeah. And that's how yep. you that's how you stay afloat. And I think it's knowing when to ask the right question, too. True. Knowing, knowing when it's the end of your skill set, knowing when you can step up and knock it out, but also knowing when you, you need to ask the question. Like, I'm always impressed with people who, who will tell me, like, you know what? Let me find that out for you. I'll get right yeah. back. And not even – and it's, there's an artful way to say I don't know. Yeah. And to say, let me find out for you. I'll get right back. And if they're taking responsibility to figure out, they're going to learn that and they're going to know sure. the, the answer next time. Absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, that's one more check. So that whenever I get that answer, I'm, I'm impressed. You know, I yeah. know I know you didn't tell me no. I know you didn't tell, tell me it wasn't going right. to happen. You're saying you're going to make it happen. But you're gonna have to figure it out. Exactly. Like, I love that. Exactly. That's that's my that's my. You're good in my book. I'm keeping you around. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, things that are happening, and you mentioned, you know, next time, uh, 
Can you share the the what we found out maybe that's going to happen next Got time? Some good, yeah, coming up. So, well, we have audio, like okay. some audio episodes coming up, and we're giving um, away some pretty cool plugins, right? Yes. So, Isotope has ste- has came out with Arc Six, okay, and they have stepped up to give away to one of the lucky listeners yes. a uh, a version of Arc Six standard. Sweet. Um, for for one of the listeners, yeah, which is really now this thing awesome. has uh, some some cool features, right? Like you like, were telling me about really a, useful. a Russell yeah. remover. Yeah, it's a D Russell re- remover, which which has launched all sorts of creative things in our brains here. Because <laughs> imagine if you had like a D Michael McDonald remover, yeah. where like it just wiped off yeah. any Michael McDonald track um, from your film. <laughs> that would be sweet too. Kidding, I, I Michael McDonald's yeah, he's, awesome. He's awesome. I can't, okay. Okay. I can't, I can't knock him. I need to, I need to find somebody to. I can't even like rip on. I, I got. <laughs> they're all good in some sort of way, but, but no. So they've got this like they they for the things that used to take forever. I think, and they'll have they'll get into it a little bit more. But they've figured out some really creative ways to save some major time. It's all science, um, man. It's all math. Oh, and they're like using machine learning to get things. Oh, they've. That's, yeah. They're getting into the AI, aren't they? It's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure. That's eventually it's just going to mix things for it's us. It's so all going to be robots. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to have to keep my license up cool, to date man. on that. So, and have we? I think we also have some episodes coming up. We we still haven't had uh, Dan on the show, have we? Not yet. We so we got we got a music. big a big update show with sound images and what they've been up to. There's some, been some changes around here. We're gonna dig into that and hear what all they've been up to. So that's going to be fun. Mike Rickle. And I have a guest coming on who is a two-time Oscar winner. Yeah, man. So Good stuff. We'll see. See, we're, we're thinking about you guys out there. Two times. you got to have good audio. You that's can't right. just have a film with bad audio. That's right. So uh, anything else? What else is going on? Anything new or anything that uh, you got on the mind? Not that I can tell yet, you know? Yeah, there'll be, there'll be good stuff coming up, but Just in due grinding. time. Yeah, well, we got uh, a project been, we did. Yeah, we hadn't talked about that. Wrapping real soon. So, uh, question at, is, when does it go public? That's the yeah, big thing. When not it gets sure really, yet. Sometime yeah. in the summer. Yeah. Uh, so me and Adam had a, a project for a hair hair brand, um, and we're promoting a women's hair situation. Uh, Alex was the DP. By the way, uh, we miss Alex. He's not here today. If you haven't figured that out yet. Um, but Alex is somewhere. I think he's in Chicago. I don't know. But uh, anyway, we love you, Alex. Sorry you couldn't Wait, be here. Real quick, what's a women's hair situation? That's what... <laughs> so, a women's hair situation is when you, uh, you know, they got to have products to get that hair right where it needs to be. Right, right. And we are helping a brand that has that product. And so, it was all about, you know, energy and female empowerment. And it was it had to be have a little edge to it, but it had to have a little wisdom to it. And, um, so we worked with you guys and, and recommended uh, a custom audio track to which you guys kind of jumped a little bit into uh, how you think, which is a, a lot of, yeah. you know, on another episode, we'll get to talk about your all's, you have a, a kind of a side company or a, a product called Brand Sonics, where you really sort of, you dig apart how a brand sounds. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, I mean, we kind of applied that. It's the whole thinking behind anything audio anyway. Right. You know, you're, all you're trying to do is drive the emotion the right way. So with music, you're trying to drive that the right way. With any of the effects or anything you do on the Foley space, you're trying to create realism or create, you know, the lack of realism sure. or hyper-realism. So it's taking those tenets and that learning to a brand to say, you know, how do you really communicate and are you are you really on the right tone you know yeah. and, and have you put any sort of thought so, into this so we did an exercise so, with yeah. the client where adam took and he pulled 
you know, several different tracks and put them into categories. You know, we'll call them uh, edgy and wisdom. And he said, you know, here's what edgy sounds like. Here's what wisdom sounds like. And he broke it down. And then he said, you know, I think for the brand, we kind of want to we kind of want to live right here with X amount of edgy, X amount of wisdom. Yeah. And it, it it was great just as a third party observer to to watch the client sort of get it and go, oh, yeah. You mean we should actually think about music? Because yeah. a lot of times, I know if you guys are listening, a lot of times picking a music track for your clients is probably the hardest decision because everybody tends to pick music based on what their personal preference is. Yeah. So if you like country, you're going to really love that country track. If you like hip-hop, you're going to love that hip-hop track. And then ultimately everybody just ends up with corporate Coldplay <laughs> because corporate Coldplay um, sounds a little bit modern. It's got some beats, so it satisfies, satisfies it's, the hip hop. Yeah, it's it's got gonna, some guitar. No one's going to get offended. Satisfies the rock. Yeah. Uh, it's emotional, so it satisfies that. So, um, But ultimately, it kind of always ends up there because people don't take the time to say, okay, what does our brand represent? What yeah. does it sound like? Is it moody is it dark is it bright and, and who are we talking and that's to, what you, you guys know? do yeah yeah usually it's it's you know it's 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 knowing the both of you know we we know our yeah. tone we know this and 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 how do we speak to who we're speaking to and i think a lot of times people think of it from one way and not the other or right. they think of it just from the deliverable like just from this one spot sure to who we're talking to and there's an equity thing and that's yeah. and that was big with this brand that they actually got the equity piece they actually yeah. got that they were coming from somewhere and that's when man, when that, when that makes sense, I mean the the spot will kind of show it as well. It's like yeah, yeah, you get it. Like this so is your equity. You and Bart got in, started jamming, you know, guitar, drums. You started throwing down some ideas. Uh, a couple weeks later, you send me three tracks. Oh yeah, and you know wh- what's it like to work with me? Because I, I, you know, I don't think, I know what it's like to work with you, but like yeah. you're giving me your sort of like your babies, and then like I'm essentially oh. I'm killing one of oh. them or oh. two of them. Years ago, they stopped being my babies. <laughs> I so there's this is a whole other thing, but I the first I think the first track I wrote professionally. Yeah, um, we were just demoing it in in the in the room live with people. Yeah. So I'll just do acoustic. It was, it was a lyric thing, so we're just doing acoustic guitar chords and lyrics, and we're singing them ourselves. Because we're not singers, so we don't sure. want them. We don't want to paint the picture of like it needs to sound like this guy or that. We want them to hear it for the 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 rough of, right. of the song. And I played the song, and 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 I get done, and they just looked at me straight faced. There's three people sitting behind <laughs> me. They look at me straight faced, and and it was like they were pretty short. And I'm like, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and play it again. And you guys listen down, and they all were like, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> No need for that. <laughs> and, um, and I'd worked so long and hard on this track, and, and, it, and it crushed me there for that moment. I'm like, I can't believe you don't see what possibilities there are in this track. And, and then we move on to the next song, and they're like, that one's pretty good. And, and I was still so it, – it was it, – Yeah, and, but w- what you heard in your head for the potential of the song versus what they heard – The substance like of what was written. So yeah, far gone. removed. So yeah, so so at the end of it, so we, and, and at the end of that that uh, session, they they all leave, and, and the former owner and me, he had some, and we had other things from a bunch of different writers. He had some, and he, and he walks out, and he's like, and he could tell that I was kind of like, kind of bummed, but you know, you don't you don't throw yeah. a fit or anything. You're like, well, you know, they just called my baby ugly, and and he's like, let's go write another one. 
<laughs> I'm like, just go write another one. He goes, yeah, just go write another one. He goes, you heard what they liked. You heard what they don't like. You're not going to get it wrong this time. Go write another one. He's like, and well, and and I'm like, that's a good, yeah, dot. But since then, that, I mean, it took that one time for me to read. Yeah. Like, I, I still pour my heart and soul into everything we do, right? And think like, and and but you still have to think pretty systematically about what they're going to like, yeah. what's appropriate, and trying to get and trying to balance that with what's appropriate and what's creative, and what's going to get approved. Yeah. And so that that three way balancing act is a little tough sometimes because you end up with something you wish you could have pushed farther, but you know right. they're not going to go for right, it. Right. So. Yeah. So yeah. So working with you is is I I always know that I'm gonna get I'm gonna get your knee jerk reaction first, <laughs> either via text or like a two word email or a phone call right away, and I'm gonna get something like the minute you hear it, and then it's gonna percolate a little bit, and then I'm gonna get like a more blown out something sure. afterwards. So I always get uh, like I send it off into myself. I'm yeah. like. I can keep my phone close. Where's yeah. that? All right, here it's it is. It's usually like, either like, it's amazing or it's horrible. Yeah. Or like one of the oh, two. Yeah. Like it's nowhere in between. Like, yeah, th- yeah, this one was, uh, demo A, yeah, it's all right. Demo demo C is 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 okay. Uh, throw out demo B. <laughs> <laughs> That's dead. We don't, wanna, we don't want anyone to hear that. <laughs> and then we were like, A, we're on the fence. Yeah, and yeah. it's... I still think I still think, but that one, I, yeah, yeah, that, that I, one was gonna, interesting. I'm keeping that one in my back pocket. This, yeah, like this I think plastic for, yeah, bottle of bourbon for here. sure. I yeah. think uh, what was interesting about this process for me was the track that ultimately got selected. It it definitely grabbed me when I first heard it, but I didn't know if it was the one. Yeah. Where sometimes I hear it and yeah. I'm like, "That's the one." Yeah, that's Usually it. I know it's the one. Yeah. And this one, it was like it wasn't until like. I sat with it for a while that I really fell in love with yeah. it. And they're like, all it was, really different pieces. Yeah. Like these these batch and 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 we'll we'll play them at some point. This batch of songs was polar opposite sure. of a lot of things that get requested. So it was fun because we went and we I mean we did more exploration and more discovery, yeah. more more concept work on this than we did on most yeah, because yeah. because we got to push a whole heck of a lot farther than, you know, rock track like this yeah, or, yeah. you know, let's do a hip hop thing. It's like, no, this is, I mean, it's all chopped up, hacked up, like edits get to yeah, be man. nasty and it's like things get to. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. like really bad sounds on the on Yeah, the it's gnarly. <laughs> like, like, I don't think there's a single track that doesn't have distortion <laughs> at some point. Yeah, which is know? cool because. It's for like a forefront beauty yeah. brand. Oh, it's yeah. like for this like oh, yeah. pretty little beauty brand that should be like some happy bright like Coldplay oh, yeah. thing. That's the thing. That's but I and mean it's not. Yeah, because I mean that's that's the whole it's fun. A brand understanding is because if you were to just say this brand talking to these people that paints one picture and 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 like the knee jerk subjective sort of I'm gonna pick music brain. Yeah, and. And the exploration of what their equity is and how they should actually speak to whoever they're speaking to and what they need to impart to that person, it c- turns out to be something that's n- totally unexpected, yeah. but 100% on equity. Yeah, like yeah. That, that, to me, and this whole thing is is beautiful. Yeah, so, it's been fun. Yeah. I can't wait to share it with you yeah, guys listening. Uh, we'll probably post it on the Slack group first. So, obviously, go over to fdbpodcast.com, join the Slack group. There's a lot of people on there, probably probably about 120-ish. Um, great place to, to do everything yeah. from chit-chat, uh, get feedback on your demo reels, get feedback on your work, um, you know, sell gear. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy stuff yeah. on there. 
um, get uh, get hot tips on uh, on good bourbons, you name it. So uh, hop in, join that. One of the things that makes our group unique is that we do vet uh, the people. So we will ask to see your demo reel. We want to make sure you're a real working filmmaker somewhere in uh, the one of the departments. Um, so we don't just let anybody in. So definitely check that out. Um, and we also, uh, I believe we still got the giveaway going, which is a light um, that we gave away with light and motion. So uh, I need to pull that up real quick. Um, let's see here. While I'm doing that, Adam, anything else uh, you got exciting coming up? Coming up, yeah. Well, exciting? I don't know if it's exciting from a business standpoint. A lot of bids out right now, which is yeah. really good. It means that it means some, you know, people are starting to move a little bit more. Um, I think the front half of this year was, I think everyone was, a lot of advertisers were kind of waiting, sitting back for a moment, and now I'm starting to see it move, which is exciting, which means it's going to be a, Probably Gangbuster Summer, which is awesome. Um, so got that coming up. Nice. Yeah, lots of bands coming in. Lots of great, wonderful stuff happening around here when it comes to gear upgrades. Ooh. And I just got a note that SSL is going to come by here in oh, really? June as well. So That's cool. Yeah, they're going to be taking a tour of of, of the Midwest at some point, and uh, they're going to come by and with a big old truck filled with consoles and... and uh, do a demo here. So Dude, some somehow our Twitter is just blowing up right now. Um, Bart, what are you doing in there? Here we go. It- um, so the giveaway is with uh, Light and Motion. So you want to uh, shout out on Twitter to at FDB Podcast, and you want to hashtag FDB Giveaway and hashtag Stella Pro Light S T E L L A Pro Light, and that'll get you plugged in for that giveaway. It's a pretty cool little LED light. Um, water resistant situation type thing. So, um, so yeah. So I mean, yeah. That's just how it's going down. Good stuff, man. A lot of good things going down, and I think we have. I I, I think it's going to happen. But I I talked with Dan here, mm-hmm. and he's got a connection. A friend of his is like a oh. mega YouTuber. Oh yeah, yeah. He was talking, and about this he's today. got billions of followers. He's He's he does the craziest stuff on yeah. the YouTubes, and we thought his name's Steve McGrayhand, I believe, and we thought you know that's the one thing we haven't covered on this show. Like we've covered you know pro uh, mm-hmm. video filmmaking that whole sort of deal, but there is a whole generation of people that filmmaking for them is is more about content than say production value, right. and yep. and they have a point of view, they have something they do. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's dramatic. And I believe this guy has a whole like, world of like strongest redneck. He's the world's strongest redneck. So here's what I propose. And he's got the craziest videos. He he just chimed in somehow on our Twitter feed, and he's wrestling a refrigerator. He just body slammed a refrigerator. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> he flipped a refrigerator. He slammed a refrigerator. Oh, this is, oh, this, this is the so craziest here's, here's, thing. So. <laughs> YouTube star, world's strongest redneck. I think we need to see how much he can lift in gear. Yeah, you know that would be interesting. I mean, let's can can yeah, or can bourbon. he can he be the counterweight on this chip? <laughs> yeah, you know who knows. We need we need to we need to set this up. He sounds like a, uh, a like a grip, like ready to go, <laughs> but a potential total hazard or ready to drop something. Yeah. 
So you. that'll be interesting. You know, yeah. it'll be really cool. I know a lot of you guys that listen, you know, have your own YouTube channels, and, and this is a way for you to connect as well. So that's exciting, and can't wait to have him on the show and hear uh, what in the world, his world, how, <laughs> how he got where he is in YouTube stardom. I'm, a, I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm going to be on the other side of the glass for yeah, that one. Exactly. I'm, 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 Who knows I'm, what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm afraid. So as always, thanks so much, guys, for listening. If you get a chance, hop on iTunes to give us a rating and review. We are trying to get 100 ratings and reviews, hopefully good ones, by the time we hit our 100th episode. Ooh. How far uh, away are we? I think we're. Many. this is episode 87. Yes, this is 87. So we are quickly progressing. We need to catch up. If we could get to 87 on our 87th show, then we only have to get one rating and review per week. There you go. So if you're listening, tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your grandma, grandpa, Help us out. That's how we get visibility in the iTunes store and uh, whatnot. But, um, yeah, man, uh, all those opportunities allow us to have cool people on the show and give away stuff and continue to to push this, whatever this show is. <laughs> Keep it moving. So uh, thanks again for listening. Adam, thanks for joining hey, on the show. Hey, thanks man. for having really me. Appreciate it's always it. fun. And uh, always thanks to Bart and the crew who bring this show together. Frank, peace out. This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.